Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Arizona Good Business Radio, featuring leaders in the Arizona business community working to build a lasting impact throughout our state through doing good business. I'm your host, Thomas Barr, Vice President of Business Development at Local First Arizona. We're a statewide organization advocating for and celebrating locally owned businesses. We're the largest local business coalition in North America, providing resources to thousands of small businesses while raising awareness of the benefits of building a strong local economy. Today, I am honored and grateful to have our partners from First Things First. We're joined by Ophelia and Patrick. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank Thank you for for having having us. us. Absolutely. So I come into this conversation today reflecting back on uh, the many years we've worked with First Things First. I remember, Patrick, you and I meeting at the Arizona Good Business Summit, which actually um, was part of um, how we incepted this podcast show that we're on here is to continue conversations about the role small businesses play in creating strong, good local communities and realized, uh, you know, as before we went live here, that this is the fourth, maybe the fourth time, maybe even the fifth time I lost count that we've been able to bring your team on the show. However, the first time for both of you. So that's really exciting. But it's it's important because uh, what the work you do is really, really important from our perspective at Local First for small businesses and local businesses to learn about, know about, and think about as they operate. Because you can't talk about the economy without talking about what we were just referencing as the child care crisis, right? And, and it truly is a crisis that we're in right now. So really, really grateful to have you here today. But before we dig in deep, would either of you care to share with uh, our listeners, if they're listening for the first time, a little bit about First Things First and what it is that you do? Sure, Thomas. I'd be more than happy to. But before I begin, I just want to thank you again for giving us this opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, we're eager to share with you and your listeners not only about what we do, but about the crisis in Arizona that affects all businesses, especially small business owners. Um, I do remember when we met at the Good Business Summit and a lot of energy and ideas came through that. So it's really amazing the last four or five years that our partnership has developed to really provide all of Arizona some great information. We are not your typical business, if you will, but we're also not your typical public entity. And by that, I mean, First Things First is Arizona's state agency for early childhood. Our work is focused statewide on babies, toddlers, preschool, because this is the time the brain develops the fastest and the opportunity to make a lasting difference in the first five years of life. For those of your listeners who were living in Arizona in 2006, they may remember that at that time, there was a ballot initiative. And that ballot initiative added an additional tax to tobacco. That overwhelmingly passed, and our agency was created and funded. We are not getting funds from the general fund, but rather through tax dollars on tobacco, traditional tobacco, tobacco um, products, as well as um, the federal government. We have a state impact and a local community involvement through 28 regional councils made up of community volunteers from various sectors, including business. That's how I first got involved with First Things First. Mm. But what people don't realize is the way we were set up. 
We are also the largest grant provider in the state of Arizona. We allocate through a grant process over $100 million each year to fund strategies for early childhood. Mm. And the funding, again, is generated through that tobacco tax. Most of the First Things First funds goes towards child care throughout the entire state, including tribal nations and communities. We're striving to improve the quality, the accessibility, and the affordability of child care. However, the sale and usage of tra- traditional tobacco tax and products is declining. Mm. Furthermore, federal investment that was made into child care is also ending. The result of the declining revenue and federal investments is creating a child care funding cliff or crisis in Arizona. That is heavy stuff. That's some heavy stuff. But thank you for um, giving us that solid background. Ophelia, tell us a little bit about your role within this. I know we just met today, but um, really interested here as the um, public information officer for First Things First. What is your role that you play within the organization? Right, right. So I, my, my role is to, I'm basically the storyteller. I'm, I'm, I'm telling the stories of the childcare providers of the families, and I'm working with, uh, you know, Patrick Gort, uh, mentioned that we're in 28 different. Or divided up into 28 different regions across the state. So I work with those areas, you know, they, they're the ones that are, that are in the boots on the ground. They're, they're in the communities. They, they know what's happening. They're sharing stories with me and they're, they're able to help me tell those, those stories about uh, struggles, challenges, and, and successes, because we, you know, we do have a lot of success of, of the programs that we are funding. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really fun job to be able to tell those stories and put a face on, on the, on the issues that we're talking about. Yeah. Storytelling is so important. You can, you can uh, recite facts and data and information all day, but if you can't connect to the people that are actually impacted, it's hard to realize what's actually happening. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. They need to relate. Absolutely. Maybe from both of you or either from you, whoever would like to to expand a little bit more. Um, we say childcare crisis, um, but if I don't operate in this space every day, maybe I don't know exactly what that crisis means. Could you dig a little deeper and let us know what is actually happening for those that might not be as familiar with what is happening right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I could uh, double a little delve a little bit into that. It's almost like we live our lives like before pandemic and 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 since pandemic and before the pandemic they were struggling. Childcare providers are struggling, parents are struggling. You know, parents uh for a long time have struggled to find that affordability in leaving your child with a you know, at a safe place somewhere that you could feel, that you feel confident going going to work. And then childcare providers were also struggling keeping up with the the cost of of basically of doing business and mm-hmm. of finding and retaining those workers. And then COVID-19 hit and it just accelerated the problem so quickly. And as a society, we, we were able to, I think, finally see what we in, the ch- in, in early childhood had known about for years. But basically, childcare is what keeps the economy going. It touches every sector of, 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 of our, every industry of, of our, of our economy. And so the, Federal government recognized that and included childcare in their in their uh, pandemic relief funding, mm-hmm. and that pumped about 1.3 billion into Arizona's childcare childcare providers into the businesses, and and it helped them. It was basically a lifeline mm-hmm. for them because otherwise, 
they were struggling. They couldn't, they weren't able to stay open. Parents weren't having a reliable place to, to leave and to leave their child. And businesses were struggling because they're, now their employee was staying home because they didn't have anyone to take care of them. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. We talk a lot about the ripple effect at Local First Arizona, and we talk about it from a, from a, um, a positive perspective. When you, you spend with a locally owned business, that business takes that money and spends with other locally owned businesses and creates a stronger ripple throughout our economy. But you could also think of ripples in many different ways, that, that being a potentially negative perspective if we're talking about uh, an individual that maybe works at a child care facility, is sick or, or can't come in. All of a sudden, that facility can't serve the number of, of children that they they want to. And so each one of those parents from each one of those kids gets called and has to go pick up those kids. And all of a sudden, they're calling out from those jobs and it just transforms from there. So I think very quickly, we could all realize, you know, we're and I'm always the one that says first, I don't have any kids, but I realize how much this impacts me, too, as just a community member. But if I'm a business owner, if I'm a, if I'm anybody in a decision-making power within my company, or I'm just a community member and, and I'm listening and I am motivated by what you're saying and interested in, in helping or doing something, first, why should I care and what can I do? Well, as Affiliate indicated, Thomas, why you should care is because without the workers the businesses are going to have a hard time surviving. And as she indicated, even during the pandemic, you had the public safety, firefighters, hospital workers, all the essential workers were called back. But where did they drop off their children? And so it was near to that point in time, well, childcare is going to have to be one of those areas that need to open up as well. Mm-hmm. But what businesses may not understand, and many childcare providers, as Philly has indicated, are small businesses, that they're also governed heavily by regulations. And by that, I mean the number of children that they can have. In a traditional business model, you can just add more space, more crowds, but you can't do that with childcare because of the ratios. Mm. And by that, I mean, if you think about it, having an infant, somebody or a little one who's um, maybe just born or up to three years old, that ratio was about one in four per adult. Mm-hmm. And think about how much a child care worker makes is not even minimum wage mm. and they don't have benefits. Mm. And because of those ratios, think about if one of those workers had to call in sick and the owner was counting that person to come in, but now they're short staffed a person because of ratios, they may have to turn people away at the door mm. who's dropping off a child because they just don't have the workforce in place. Mm -hmm. What the pandemic ended up doing was bringing that to light, but also it allowed those in the childcare industry to get higher paying jobs. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the food chain, it's the bottom of the ring in terms of the type of job that people really want to get into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Affiliate, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, kind of going back, you know, a, the, a child care worker will tell you they love their job. They love working with children. They love everything about it. They don't love the pay. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you're looking at the fact that they can go to a fast food restaurant and make more money, and it's a huge struggle for the, for the provider to find, to recruit those folks. And I've spoken to, to 
many childcare providers will say, yeah, I'll call 20 people who have, who have applied and no one will call me back once mm. I, you know, when I, once I want to give them an interview. And so it's just, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And they, they don't know where to, where to find those, those employees because they're finding other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And the federal money that came into the state as affiliate went to stabilize the industry. We were able to give workers, childcare workers, more pay. We were able to improve a lot of the facilities because they've been so outdated. And these are small businesses. Some are school-based, some are center-based, um, some maybe even home-based. And so the amount of money to improve the industry has improved. But you look at what we call a child care desert and the number of children, and I'm sure Affiliate has some numbers on this, but the number of children in the state versus the number of openings, that's that child care desert where we just don't have enough slots available mm. um, for our children to be cared for properly. Interesting. So as the storytelling, bringing that kind of back into the mix, is there anything that stands out to you that's you've been able to the story of an individual or a childcare facility that has been a compelling story you've been able to to capture and share with the world that you might be interested in sharing with us today? I've spoken to a lot of providers and and a lot of families about the difference that quality quality care makes for for their child, whether it's number one they they have they have a safe place and a and they're happy to leave their child there because it, they know they're going to be cared for i mean i i visited a montessori last year and i had never been in a montessori classroom mm. and it is amazing what those children are doing but they you know they were they were talking about history they were they were creating their own lunch at the at the time and it just it's amazing what they're able to do when they have the the staff and the uh, materials to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. wonderful well, I want to talk a little bit about opportunity. So uh, you mentioned, you know, this funding that came through was was hugely beneficial, um, allowed you to kind of stabilize the industry, do all these things. Now we're looking at that funding being dry, 2024 and beyond, what's going to happen? So what is going to happen? And <laughs> what is what is going to be the future of this work if it doesn't get figured out soon? Let me uh, go ahead and start that part of the conversation. Uh, there's a lot of conversation back in D.C. in terms of what is the funding that the federal government can provide. Of course, there's a lot of starts and stops to that. The child care industry nationwide is advocating for that. Arizona is one of those states, unfortunately, that we don't receive funding directly from our state. So if it doesn't come from federal dollars, it's coming from our tax dollars. However, there are also federal grants out there and private grants that can help centers as well as other businesses. We're working closely with um, economic development organizations and the cities. Occasionally, we get people asking us for grant opportunities. And honestly, Thomas, the partnership we've had, we refer them back to you because of the (laughs) Economic Recovery uh, Center. Um, That's just a great tool. You have a lot of information out there. And that's just one way of supporting um, each of our work. And I know, especially in the rural areas Mm -hmm. where they don't have the expertise to write grants. And even our grant process is very, very complex being a state agency. Mm -hmm. So that kind of service is very helpful. There are some things that employer can do as well. For example, I think one of the keys, and being a single dad myself, and my daughters 
uh, much older now. But had I known now what I knew when she was two or three, you know, I always say to myself, would I have been a better father or how she would have turned out differently? But that's what I think First Things First does is we make parents better. Mm-hmm. and the information that we can share with them. And that's one of the messages even with employers. They have to understand, for example, that there are struggles being a parent, whether it's a single parent or even as a family. So having such things as predictable and flexible work schedules. Yeah. Um, most people don't realize why well, I dropped my, call, my child off at school. Well, how long does that take? Well, think about it. A two- or three-year-old to get ready, to get them out of the house, you can't just drop them off with a curb. You mm. got to park, wait in line, check them in, <laughs> and then get back in your car. So yeah. just that kind of... It's not a fast bit, process. It's not a fast <laughs> process at all. And so that kind of flexibility yeah. and understanding from an employer can definitely help. There's other things that employers need to take a look at because the cost to replace a worker could be well over $10,000. Mm. Uh, there are some recruitment uh, or some calculators out there that deal with uh, this type of information. How much does it cost to replace a worker? Because they may leave because of that. And if you think about child care in itself, for those of you who don't have kids, but child care for the week on average for an infant is about $200 a week. Mm. And that's over $10,000 a year, Mm -hmm. which is more than many college tuitions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there isn't the financial aid that's available to students as there is support going to families with the little ones. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you touched on so many things that I'm grateful for. First of all, I want to get back to the rural piece soon because I think that's something that we tend to forget living in, um, or at least personally living in um, the urban areas. I know for rural-based childcare providers, it's a lot different than an urban-based. But uh, circling back to that in a minute, you brought up the Arizona Economic Recovery Center, which we've just actually rebranded to the Arizona Economic Resource Center. And for those of you listening unaware or um, unfamiliar, it was a great partnership and great way for us to work together. But it's a program where we're able to write grants and identify funding for Arizona's tribes, small towns, and nonprofits. And we'll do the grant research, the grant writing, the project management, help win those grants, and then help implement them throughout Arizona. And through referrals like Partners First Things First that we're able to, to win a lot of that money from private companies, from federal grants, all of these, all of this money that's out there that people just need to know about, right? And we've recently, I think we just hit the $40 million mark of grants awarded to Arizona entities. So That's great what you're doing wow. for the community. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your partnership on that. Circling back to the rural piece, and I know you're from a rural town. Could you speak a little bit about that rural perspective when it comes to childcare, but also access to it? and share with us a little bit of your perspective. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I grew up in Mammoth, Arizona, which is a, a mining town in Pinal County. I Like I said, I, I work with the different regions in our state. And, you know, the majority of Arizona is a rural, our rural community. Yes. I mean, those, we call it God's country. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, even just, uh, I just recently had a conversation with our regional director out in, in Gila County, which is Globe, Miami, kind mm-hmm. of Payson, even Payson. 
they're true childcare deserts. I mean, if you're looking at, um, you know, if you look at Globe Miami, they have a they have a, a mine. They're mining. They're a mining company. Uh, mm-hmm. Mining towns, and those employees they work twenty four seven. It's not just a nine to five job. And so and so they do struggle with you know where am I going to leave my child, take my child when I when I you know I'm working shift work. And so they're actually planning a, a community forum in January because they want to they want to talk to business leaders. They want to talk to the community about how they can solve this problem for their community because every community is unique mm-hmm. um, and they they know what they need and they feel like, yeah, we're going we're going to help the community. We're going to we're going to solve this yeah. as a group because yeah. that's how they feel. It's not just it's not just, oh, Joe, who, who works the night shift at whatever mine it is. It's everybody's it's everybody and so it's a very community-based uh attitude that they have towards the community which is just it's, it's wonderful to see yeah and there's a lot of collaborations going on in the, uh, the rural communities first things first is involved in not necessarily taking the lead but you're going to have first things first involved you're going to have the elementary school district involved you're going to have the high school district involved and then you're going to have the local businesses involved all coming together as affiliate indicated to solve the issue Mm-hmm. and how do we do that as a community? And so that's what's exciting about uh, working with an organization like First Things First because we're just part of the puzzle. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about we need more money. As a system, education in Arizona needs more money. Yeah, um, All factors, all, all uh, stages of life. We, of course, advocate because 90% of the brain is developed in the first five years. Think about what society would be like if we were well-funded and our little ones had the opportunities and the families had the resources to really work with their child and be stronger parents. So well said. So well said. Well, thank you for your perspective on on rural as well. When Local First acquired the Arizona Rural Development Council in 2013, our team took a really focused effort to make sure we deployed as many resources as possible. So it's great to have you as a partner in that space as well. So thanks for all the work that you do. Moving this to kind of a call to action. What can people do? You know, if I'm a small business out there, obviously this impacts me. This impacts my employees. This impacts my neighbors, everyone that I work with. Are there people we should be calling? Is there letter writing we can be doing? You know, part of having this show is to put a call out to small businesses and local businesses to stand up and recognize you're a part of your community. And it's important that in doing business, you recognize all the facets that you're connected to. So what can businesses do if they're interested in getting involved? I think the number one thing is to be informed and stay informed. Mm -hmm. Sign up for our newsletters on our website, firstthingsfirst.org. There's a lot of information that's going to be coming out that Ophelia is going to be uh, basically <laughs> writing and managing. FYI. And, yeah, in case you didn't know it. But there, we, we know of some exciting things that are happening. So being informed and being educated on the issues. For example, when an event we had yesterday, our CEO had indicated that there's a possibility that in this legislative session, with support of the governor, that there may be a bill introduced Mm. that's going to help students attending school full-time and providing childcare for them. Mm. Because as we know, working is one thing and getting childcare, but how do you become a student Mm -hmm. and get an education if you don't have childcare? 
So we always talk about we need a better, stronger workforce. So even little things like that where um, it's going to happen maybe at the legislative level, staying informed and then taking action when it becomes necessary. Another way that business owners can get involved, we are structured in a way that there are 28 regional councils Mm. throughout the state. And this is when First Things First was formed, the charter um, statute that formed us. And with these councils, it's made up of 11 volunteers that are appointed after they apply, and it represents different seats, business, education, healthcare, childcare. I would encourage business owners to apply for one of these seats. Cool. Because the money that we talked about, the $100 million plus, it's like local control of school boards. Mm. The money is given to each region, and it's that local regional council that decides how the money is spent within their region. Mm. So when we talked about rural areas, about having a collaboration with First Things First as well as others, that's one of the impetuses of it is because there is funding that could be tied to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And wow. so really to have a voice um, in the process, you can't ask for anything more to be involved. Great the, one, the one thing that I would add for small business owners is to know your employees, know who has those small children and, and just be aware of that and share that story with, with, with others. Tell the story of like, yeah, I, I lost an employee because I, because they, they couldn't find childcare or, or, or if, you know, those successes of like, Hey, we pay a tuition so our employees can, get child care so yeah. you know I, those small business owners could tell their stories and 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 make others aware of of how it impacts them and and how it could it, it's impacting everyone so absolutely yeah. yeah and i always encourage just engage and inform like in addition to knowing them if you know of a resource or an opportunity inform them make sure that mm-hmm. they know about it and get creative with how you can provide flexibility to them and all of those things Great exactly points. Great points. Well, Patrick Ophelia, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for your partnership working with Local First. The work you're doing is so important. And we're just grateful for your time and everything that you shared today. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Thomas, thank for you. everything you do. Absolutely. Uh, we hope that you were inspired today listening to leaders working to leave a legacy in Arizona through doing good business. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Business Radio X, for hosting us and all of our legacy partners, including First Things First. This is Thomas Barr from Local First AZ, reminding you that if we want to build a better Arizona, we need to connect deeply with the local businesses that make us proud to call this place our home. 